Praise the Lord, everyone. Let's all stand together this morning. Give Jesus a big hand clap of praise today. Amen. Good to be in God's house with all of you again today. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Look forward to what God's going to do today. Amen. Amen. All right. We've got a young lady that has a birthday this week. Come on up here, honey. <laughs> She's 27. That's right. A happy birthday to you, a happy birthday to you. May you feel Jesus near every day of the year. A happy birthday to you, a happy birthday to you. And the best you never see that brother <laughs> don't tell nobody <laughs> i'd have been in trouble if i'd forgot that one yeah. you know all right sister pearson's got some announcements right yes i do have some announcements I'm that was like the lord is trying to say something. I, i'm just gonna sit down and turn it over to you sister <laughs> okay all right um i want to remind everybody i'll make these announcements later too but i want to go ahead and make them twice if that's okay um this saturday is our church Christmas party at 2 p.m., okay? It is casual attire. We encourage you to wear a Christmas sweater if you have it. It can even be ugly if you want it to be ugly. It's up to you. It's going to be finger foods, but if you're going to bring something, I'm going to have a meeting after church today where we just talk about it and make sure we have our bases covered for that, okay? And so that's going to happen this Saturday, the 10th at 2 p.m., and meeting after church as far as food is concerned. Our Christmas program is December the 18th at noon. There will be one service that day. You do not want to miss it. These kids are working hard. It's going to be exciting. Um, you want to be there. Also, we're going to have a choir sing that day, and it's a whosoever will choir, okay? So if you have been wanting to sing, this is your moment. Okay, this is your moment. Now, there will be a rehearsal next Sunday at 10.45. Okay, 10.45. If you want to be in the choir and you want me to go ahead and send that song to you, come and let me know. Communicate with me somehow. Text me, message me, whatever. Okay, we're going to be working on that song next Sunday at 10.45. Say 10.45. Now, if you're like, oh, my goodness, sister, that is so early to be here. Let me tell you, the praise team is here at 1030 every Sunday, okay? So just so you know, if you have a desire to sing for the Lord, you better get used to it, all right? Because <laughs> you're going to have to show up early and probably leave late. That's just how it works out. But we want you to be involved. Now, there is no age minimum, no age maximum. The kids want to be part of it. I want them to be part of it. All right, there's no maximum age. You want to, 100 years old, come on, get on up here and be part of the choir, okay? So this is an opportunity. If you want to be involved, 
in music in some aspect, this is a great opportunity for you to go ahead and start getting used to the process and what we do. So we want everybody who can be involved in the choir, be involved in that choir. The last announcement I want to make is um, unfortunately about our bathrooms. I've been meaning to say this for the last couple weeks, but I'm going to say it now. We've had an issue in our women's restroom where someone has been spraying our toilet paper with air freshener. So I've had to throw away about eight rolls of toilet paper and <laughs> because they've been saturated with air freshener. Now, I've talked to some of the kids, and I can't figure out who it would be. It's only in the women's restroom. Um, so, ladies, you may notice there is no air freshener out, and that's because I've put it up because I want to make sure we have this resolved before we put our air freshener back out. So, if for some reason you are an adult and you're trying to be helpful to make it smell good in there, please don't do that anymore because I will throw it away if it's been saturated with air freshener, all right? So maybe in a few weeks we'll try to put that air freshener back out and try it again, but I definitely don't want to keep throwing toilet paper away. So thank you all so much for that. We're going to dismiss now for our children to go over and work on the play. So if you've smelt anything peculiar on your children's hands, uh, you now know where that has come from. <laughs> Amen. It's good to be here today and be in the presence of the Lord and a wonderful prayer meeting this morning. Uh, looking forward to what God has for us today and I believe God's going to meet us and help us and um, we're going to continue uh, focusing on what we started on Wednesday uh, with a message entitled Do You See What I See? And um, I know that Wednesday we had a moment where we, where we were thinking about uh, the beginning of the holidays, the Christmas season, and all the music and the festivities that take place. Um, and so I asked the question, uh, when, I, when I originally said, do you see what I see? Well, it's the first thing that comes to your mind, and it's that old... That old uh, Christmas carol, right? Do you see what I see? And I think it's important today um, that we see what God sees. That we see what his word says. There are a lot of people out there that don't, they don't know God the way that we do. They don't know him the way that we do. They don't have the revelation the way that we do. We are his people. We are his covenant people. Don't you know that the, the, new, the word testament is, is uh, covenant? So you have an old covenant and a new covenant. So it's important to understand that what we are a part of is not just a organization, a denomination, it's not a, a religious thing, it's a covenant. It's a covenant. 
And the first passage we will visit this, uh, this morning will be what we um, started with on Wednesday night, Isaiah 9 and 6. I know that I mentioned that this would be on Wednesdays, but uh, that we would, we would do this study. But this has really consumed me over the last week. And today we will we'll dig a little bit deeper here. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Now, when we think about the government being upon his shoulder, we must consider that the government is that covenant relationship. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a covenant relationship. And Jesus told Nicodemus, John chapter 3, that uh, unless a man is born of water and spirit, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. Neither one of them. You can't even, you can't even, you, you can't even tell what's going on within the kingdom of God unless you have been born again. So the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called. Now we talked about this a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We talked about this. These are all things that are revealed through the name of Jesus. Amen? Isn't that what it says? And his name shall be called. I mean, his name is not wonderful. His name is not counselor. His name is not the mighty God. His name is not the everlasting Father, nor it is the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. Amen. Let me begin with the question this morning. I have heard many times, I've heard this said, and maybe you have, you have heard it yourself. Does it matter if we say the name of Jesus over people when they are baptized? Now, we as apostolics, we have a, we have a firm uh, understanding on this. But how many have you have heard this question from people? Raise your, show, show me by raising your hand. You've heard people say this to you. Does it really matter? Does it really matter what is said over people being baptized? Well, we're going to dig into this, and, and hopefully we'll have an even greater foundation of, of, what, of what it's like to live in a covenant relationship with the Lord. It would be easy for us to instantly move to a defensive posture because we as apostolics are unapologetic about the name of Jesus. We understand it's in the name that brings healing, right? It's in the name of Jesus that brings healing. Let's look at Acts chapter 4, and we will read verses 7 through 10. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Now, I want us to, to key in on this, on this scripture here because Peter declares to him, by what power or by what name have you done this? In verse 8, then Peter, 
filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Peter began his discourse on the name of Jesus. The first thing we notice is Peter was filled with the Holy Ghost. That word means to supply or influence. It wasn't the it wasn't the same thing that we when we think of uh, people gathered together in the upper room and they were filled with the. This was this was more of a a supply or a influence. So Peter influenced or supplied with the Holy Ghost said unto them, "What was he supplied with? He was supplied with words." The Holy Ghost gave him the things to say. Peter wasn't just speaking words from his intellect. They were God-breathed. So it's really important when we see these passages that say uh, filled with the Holy Ghost. Because it gives us this, it gives us this, this, uh, this uh, principle that these men who are speaking, they are not speaking from themselves. They are speaking God-breathed words. Verse 9. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by, uh, by impotent man, by what means he is made whole. Now, I, I hear Peter uh, having the same type of discourse here that Jesus did when he was when he was accused uh, by by doing things by healing or delivering on the sabbath and having that same conversation why are we even having this moment here why are we having this this discussion here about this good thing that was done today this good thing that was done Verse 10, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Peter declared that the name of Jesus Christ is the name. Peter, full of the Spirit, articulated to the Sanhedrin the name that brought about this notable miracle. It's more, listen, brother and sister, it's more than just a, a, a magic a magic phrase or a magic word. It's more than just saying a name. It was a response from a challenge of authority. Who gave you the authority to speak this way? Jesus, it was his name and faith through his name, but his name is more than this. His name is more than just a name that we speak. There is so much revelation, brother and sister, when we begin to really get an understanding of the name of Jesus Christ. I know people around this season, they know about Jesus and they celebrate his birth, but they do not know the power 
and the authority of the name of Jesus because it means nothing to people on the outside of his covenant. The name of Jesus. Now let's let's move down to verse twelve. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Peter not only told him about the power, the miracle working power in the name of Jesus, he said neither is there salvation in any other. Listen, the English Standard Version says it this way, and there is salvation in no one else. Peter was emphatically declaring Jesus as the only name, the only saving name. And we read it last, we read it Wednesday where, where Paul was writing to Timothy and he said that, that Jesus is the only potentate, that he is the only sovereign ruler. The Greek word for salvation in this passage is soteria and it means rescue uh, it means safety uh, deliver health salvation save saving so we can we can say neither is there rescue in any other name neither is there safety in any other name neither is there a saving through any other name there is only one name and brother and sister we have the revelation of the power of the name of Jesus we live in a culture, an over-church culture. We live in a day where people do not understand. They don't know about this Jesus that we serve. But we know that he is the only sovereign ruler. This word, uh, this word salvation or soteria in the Greek is also used in Luke chapter 1 and verse 77. To give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Anybody want their sins to be remitted? Anybody believe that it's absolutely possible for, for people's sins to be remitted? To go into remission? We're going to look at this here. We're going to look at some of the things that Luke said. Luke records how God hath visited. Listen, Luke records, and you can follow this by just reading your Bible. That he records that God hath visited and redeemed his people. Think about that for a moment. God had visited and redeemed his people. 
But didn't God visit often in the Old Testament? But there was something different on the horizon. The old things are passed away, right? The old covenant was coming to a close. There is a new covenant. God hath visited and redeemed his people by raising up a horn of salvation in the house of David. And we understand that to be Jesus because of the prophecies in the Old Testament. You read the Old Testament and it points to a Messiah. It points to a Savior where we have God himself in the Old Testament saying, I am the Savior. I am the only Savior. Now, we ought to be able to look at the Old Testament and hear the words of God saying that he is the only Savior and look at look in the New Testament and hear Paul say there's only one potentate and not be misled or be confused that there is only one God. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 30. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost, because, listen, that's what the Holy Ghost does. Sister McFarland, we were talking about it earlier. You know, when people come in here and God begins to deal with them, the Holy Ghost will reveal to them what they need to do. If they are, in fact, in a church that believes in the operation of God's Spirit. If somebody comes to the altar and they give their life away and they say, God, I repent of my sins. I, I, want, I want out of this life. I want to be born again like you have instructed me to do. And they repent. They turn away from their life and they receive the Holy Ghost and they are baptized in the name of Jesus. Their life will begin to change the more they get into his word and the more that they allow his spirit to operate in their life and they will begin to see things they've never seen before and they will make adjustments as the Holy Ghost reveals it to them. And it was revealed unto Simeon by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. There was revelation in Simeon's life that was going to allow him to see the Messiah. Verse 27, and he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, verse 28, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, verse 30. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. What a moment Simeon finally seeing what the Holy Ghost had revealed to him concerning salvation. 
as he held baby Jesus, he looked into the face of God's glory. He looked into the face of his salvation. It's more than just a manger scene that gets the dust knocked off of it to to be displayed in the yard or on the mantle. It's more than just a household word or a household understanding about what Jesus came to do. Yes, there there is general knowledge for people that Jesus Christ came to the earth and died for their sins. But let me be the first or let me be another voice to remind this church today it's more than just a name. He's more than just a baby in a manger. It is a gateway. It is a doorway into eternity. It's a doorway into heaven and it is God with us. Emmanuel he is the sovereign ruler, the only potentate Not just little old Jesus that came to get me off the hook. No, it's Jesus that came. Stood in our place and gave us access to a, uh, to a realm that not every man had access to before. Listen, we are so blessed that we can come in this place and begin to lift up that wonderful name and, and be greeted by a visitation of the glory of God and stand in a place that centuries before us and generations before us did not have access to. But there was a baby in a manger that was the manifestation of God who came to take our place. It's more than a Christmas tree and Christmas presents. It's more than Christmas carols and and the feeling of Christmas because we know that there is a feeling in this time of year. Some have cheer, right? Some are glad. Some are happy. Some are, are, are not ready for it. Now, we don't celebrate Jesus on Christmas. And I said this Wednesday, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. Is it wrong then to celebrate Christmas on December 25th or to celebrate Christ's birth on? No, I don't think it's wrong. I don't believe it's wrong. I believe we ought to celebrate Jesus every day of our life, not just on December 25th. I think we ought to we ought to think about what Jesus came to do, what he was born to do more often than just on December 20. I believe we ought to wake up every day and thank Jesus for coming to our rescue because there is salvation in no other name. He is the only hope. He is the only mode of rescue. He is the only only way of salvation. It's all in Jesus.
What a moment. What a moment for Simeon to say, mine eyes have seen thy, thy salvation. And you know, Simeon would have, would have been uh, well, well rehearsed in, in the scriptures and the prophecies concerning, uh, concerning the Messiah. Because what, what we have in our possession is, is the word of God that, that reveals to us that God Almighty of the Old Testament is the Savior of the New Testament. I'm sure there were many questions about how he was going to save. It took some time for people to see that Jesus was not born to bring deliverance from Roman oppression, but to bring deliverance from the dominion of sin. And, and many of them, that was, that was a stumbling block for them because they were looking for the Messiah to, be, to, come, to come in as, as, a, as a, a war general, ready to overthrow the government, ready to take back the land, ready to restore the kingdom to Israel. And we hear the disciples mentioning that. But Jesus did not come to do that. He came for the real enemy. The real enemy was sin. The real enemy behind the Roman oppression was sin. The real enemy behind the oppression of the culture of today is sin. It's still sin. There is still a people outside of these four walls, outside of the covenant relationship with God, that are under the oppression and under the uh, uh, dominion of sin, but not the people of the name of Jesus who have experienced the rescue and the saving name of Jesus who has delivered them and given them his spirit to walk in dominion and authority over sin. Jesus didn't come just to pardon my sin. He came to redeem. He came to save, to give us his spirit to have dominion over sin. Which is interesting to me because I, in conversations, you know, the Holy Ghost will quicken me. When, when I hear people talking in the world, when I hear uh, Christians uh, in, in, in our world talking uh, about God, and then I, I hear that they have absolutely no control over their own tongue, and they have no control over their attitude, and they're constantly apologizing about it. Now, that's not in itself is not wrong. We ought to apologize about the way that we act or some of the things that, are, that, that come out of our mouth. But listen, the Holy Ghost will teach us. The Holy Ghost will help us. We will learn how to control our tongue. The, James says that no man can tame the tongue. But let me tell you, the power invested in our life, there is a power of the Holy Ghost that is able to tame our tongue. How many times have you retracted from saying something that instantly came to you where your flesh was about to get your life in trouble? But the Holy Ghost said, don't do it. 
or the Holy Ghost made you hit that back button until those words that you were about to send over, over the internet were erased. Holy Ghost. But you know what? There are people in our world that claim to follow the Lord and have no control over their life. And I have to wonder, I have to wonder if they, if they had that question presented to them that Paul presented to them, that Paul presented to the certain disciples in Acts 19, when he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Because there is a big difference in believing in God and walking in the power and the authority of His Spirit. So Jesus, let's get back to what Jesus was doing when he was on the earth. We know that for just a short time he ministered and he began to gather. He began to gather disciples who would continue what he was building, what he was doing on the earth. The message that he was teaching the disciples was freedom from the oppression and dominion of sin versus the freedom and oppression from, from Rome. Notice how their, their, their perspective shifts after the Holy Ghost. Because before the Holy Ghost fell on them, they were all concerned about their earthly kingdom. But when the Holy Ghost fell, their focus shifted to the heavenly kingdom. Because I see something greater. I see something more powerful. I see something eternal. I see something I've never seen before. And the question is, do you see what I see? I have to think about that whenever I have a conversation with somebody. Are we reading the same thing? Do you see what I see? Not, not do you interpret the way that I interpret it. Do you see what I see? The problem is, is they can't see unless they've been born again. But you know what? You know what I believe? I believe that God will lift the scales from somebody's eyes who's been in darkness and give them a desire to say, you know what? I see it now. Now I want it. You know, when that individual is ready to receive it, God will open up their understanding and they'll say, baptize me, pastor. Baptize me in the name of Jesus. I want the Holy Ghost. I want it now. I want to pray until I receive it. Why? Because the scales have been lifted. And now I do see it. I see that there's more. I see that I've been tricked by the enemy and believe in these traditional things that have, that have caused me to walk powerless. To my flesh and the enemy of my soul. What, the, what does the enemy want? He wants Christians to be powerless. 
spiritless. I, I truly believe that this thing has never stopped being perverted by the enemy from the beginning. Let's look at Luke chapter 24, verse 44 through 49. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the uh, Psalms concerning me. Let's pause there just for a second here because I I want us to key in on a couple things here. These words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. Listen, all these things are going to come come up from all from days gone by that have been prophesied. They're going to be fulfilled, and you're going to see them. And they're going to they're going to it's going to bring understanding to you. Why are prophecies so important? Because it brings it brings those words, those seeds that were sown in our life, and allows us to connect. Oh, this is that. The whole, the whole prophecy uh, of Joel in chapter 2 of in the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And I can say that there was probably uh, hundreds of years that they were just like, what does this even mean? What does it even look like? And then Peter said, ah, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He had an understanding that came to him. It was from a prophecy. So Jesus is saying these things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses. You know where to go find them. You've heard these things talked about. You heard these things uh, taught from household to household and and then then assembly to assembly. You've heard these words. You've heard these prophecies concerning me. Verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Oh, isn't that isn't it fascinating when God gives you understanding of something that you read a thousand times or that you read over and over and over again and all of a sudden it takes on a whole new light I've never seen before. Listen, I tell you, uh, doing... Uh, kind of digging into this study has allowed me to see things that, that I, I never really thought about. Never. It, that's what's beautiful about the work of God's Spirit is we begin to see things because He's opening up our understanding that we might understand the Scriptures. God wants us to understand. Listen, that, 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 that Scripture is very powerful because what we see is a God who cares enough for us to open up our understanding. We don't have to be confused by what we read. We don't have to let somebody who went to seminary or is some kind of scholar tell us what thus saith the Word of God. We serve the only potentate who loves us enough to bring revelation to us, to open up our understanding. Because he wants us to see it. Verse 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This was prophecy. You should have seen this coming. 
verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in where? Or how, I should say. In His name. We've talked about this just briefly a few moments ago about remission. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations. How many nations are included? Is there a people that's not included? All nations beginning at Jerusalem must hear the same thing. They must know that there is a name. It's not just a fly-by-night religion or organization or denomination. We are people of a name that brings remission of sins. We are people of the name of Jesus. And we shouldn't be ashamed of it, even though we'll be hated for it. Verse 48, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. We know what they did. They they worshipped God. They worshipped him as he ascended. And they went into Jerusalem and they tarried until there was that promise fulfilled in, in their life. Listen, uh, Jesus opened their understanding to a couple things. Verse 47, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Now, we see, if we go back to verse 47, we will see this. Repentance and remission of sins are two different things. Now, in just a few passages, what we see is that repentance, remission, and promise are all in the same are all in the same thing, all in the same stanza. They're all in the same uh, part of the scripture, and 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 you know what they they are uh, they are in the same the same order that when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he preached to all those who are around the three thousand that heard the message, he he began that repent. So what was Peter saying? We've already been given the instructions. He said that repentance and remission should be preached in his name among all nations beginning in Jerusalem. They only knew one name that they must preach. They, they knew one name that had authority. If you think about the, the 12 and the 70 that went out, to, they, the 70 returned and said, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. They knew the name that had all power over, over any kind of a demonic oppression. They knew the name that would bring healing over any situation. They knew that there was only one name that they were ready and willing to die for. It does matter the name. We are people of the name. The covenant that we're a part of has a name attached to it. It's affixed to it. It cannot be separated from it. The new covenant is a new covenant with a name. 
that is above every name. Does the name really matter? You know, a lot of people are close, right? There are a lot of people in our world, they're close with what they believe about God. There are people that believe in receiving the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But somehow, they just don't know what to do with the name. And so they're stuck. They're stuck in the world that believes that Matthew 28, 19 was a literal commission to baptize in those titles. How can that be missed? How can they not see what I see when I read it? How can they not see? Well, you know what? Scholars can come up with some kind of... uh, convoluted way to describe uh, why the name doesn't matter and make us feel foolish for even asking the question. Listen, that's why, you know what Paul said? He said, I didn't come to you in excellency of speech, excellency of speech. I came to you in power and demonstration. It does not matter what I know and how good I sound and how eloquent I am. If there is no power, I don't have any authority. And I can't have any authority and any power without the name. It's the name that brings power and authority. There is no other name. And oh, they just don't understand how these things are possible. Does the name really matter? It does with God. It matters 100%. Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. Now, I mentioned this. I mentioned this here Wednesday night. (laughs) I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob. And so we, we see we see the beginning, right? We see we see the reference to where where Israel would always say we are we are people of the promise through Abraham. And Abraham unto Isaac and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But there is there is a place in Revelation chapter one and verse eight where Jesus says, I am the Almighty. Can the Almighty be split into two? That's that's the concept that's foreign. That's foreign to, to monotheistic Jews. They knew that it was absolutely wrong to serve any other God than the one true God. And here we see 
Jesus declaring himself to be the Almighty. But we just read it just a moment ago in Exodus that he, he appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the Almighty. Well, was it Jesus that appeared to them? No, it wasn't Jesus because Jesus hadn't been born yet. They knew about the Messiah, but they didn't know about the Son of God. They just knew that there was one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. The Lord our God, He is alone. There is nobody beside Him. There is nobody above Him. He is the only God. He is the only one. And here Jesus stands and says, I am He. Look at Exodus chapter 9 and verse 16. And I'm closing for this for the moment here. And in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up for to show in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. What was Jehovah or or what we could say uh, in the in the original Hebrew, Yahweh, Yahweh uh, was saying that my power and my name will be declared throughout all the earth. But then we get to the New Testament, and what we see is that the name of Jesus is declared throughout all the earth. That my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. Does it really matter what name you are baptized in? If I've been baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, do I need to be rebaptized? Only if you want to step into a covenant relationship with God. Because if you want in, you must have the name. Let's stand. I know you all know this. Hopefully, hopefully I've said some things this afternoon that give you a little bit uh, more uh, to stand on when it comes to describing uh, the God that we serve and, and letting people know that there is only one way. Amen. Let's come back here in just a few moments and uh, let's worship the one true God. Amen. God bless you.
Are there any true worshipers in the house today? Amen. I'm calling all true worshipers today. Come on, let's enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let's lift our voice. Let's enter. Let's enter in with praise and adoration. God, we magnify your holy name. We're here to bring you glory, to exalt your wonderful name. There is nobody like you, Jesus. And I will shout it from the rooftops. I will lift my voice. Come on, why don't we lift our voice together? Let one voice be heard in the sanctuary today. Hallelujah. I worship you, Jesus. I magnify your holy name. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to give as unto the Lord. And I want you to not just give uh, your, your money. We want you to give your, yourself in praise and worship today as well. Amen. Let us magnify the Lord together today. Amen. Let's do that right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, why don't you lift your hands all over this house. God, we magnify your name. God, we lift you up. Everybody come into this house thankful today. I'm so thankful, Jesus. I'm thankful, Lord God. Hallelujah. You've been so good to me. Yes. There is no shadow that has ever overcome your life. And there is no rival. That could ever stand against your might. You've always been with us. Every battle you've already won. We've already won. Hey! Anybody feel that victory today? Woo! Hey! There is no weapon, oh, that has ever left a mark on you. Show me a mountain he can move. Hey. He's the God. 
Show me 
situation and try to get the best of you but you know what show me one thing he can't do oh I'm going to push my way into that miracle working power presence of the Lord come on we're people of the name of Jesus Come on, we're people of the name of Jesus. And from where I'm standing, I think there ought to be a people who release the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost through the release of the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Come on, you ought to speak it over your situation right now. You ought to speak it over your family right now. Come on, I release the delivering power of Jesus Christ over my family, over the drug addicts in my family. I release a word of restoration by the power of the Holy Ghost through the authoritative name of Jesus Christ. Come on, when, when you release the power of the name of Jesus over your situation, what you are releasing is the only potentate. You're releasing the power of the only sovereign ruler over the darkness that looms over your life. So we ought to declare some things today. I speak the name of Jesus over my mind. I speak the name of Jesus over my home. I speak the name of Jesus over every demon in hell that would try to bring me into bondage, that would try to make me a prisoner of my own hand, that would try to lead me to lusting after the world and the things of the world. I bring every thought into captivity and the obedience of Christ. I release the name of Jesus. I release the name of Jesus over this atmosphere. Oh. 
Come on, I want to I make one thing clear here today. We're not name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. We are people of the only saving name. We are people of the only way out. The only form of rescue will come through Jesus. We're people who've been given, we've been given refuge. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous, listen, the righteous, the righteous, the righteous runneth into it and are safe. Listen, you might be in a place right now in your life where you need to run into the house of refuge. There is a name that you can run to. I'm going to run to the name of Jesus. I'm going to run to my help. I'm going to run to the strong tower. I'm going to run to the rock. I'm going to run to my God. You got sickness in your life? There is a name that brings healing. Listen, whatever you are in need of, if you make your way to this altar, what we're going to do, we're not going to say any magical formula. We're going to speak the name of Jesus. And with that name being released, there are healings that will happen. There is deliverance that will happen. There is salvation. There is redemption through the name of Jesus. Come on, you want to come up and surrender to the name of the Lord? You want to find refuge today? We're going to speak it and believe it. I want you to reach with your faith. And I want you to visualize the one who's seated on the throne. And he has a name. And he has all power in heaven and on earth. And nothing can stop him. And nothing can dethrone him. He is God Almighty. Come on, church, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's speak the name of Jesus. Peace. 
are Alpha and Omega. You are Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You're the beginning and the end. Oh, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. I praise, I praise your name. Your name. I praise, I praise your name. Your name. You are Alpha and Omega. You are Alpha and Omega. You're the beginning and the end. You're the beginning and the end.
not right now. Can we give him all of our praise right now? Shut it. Hey, 
Come on, let's wait on him right now. We're waiting on you, Jesus. waiting on you, Jesus. Come on, when we begin to wait on the Lord in our life for whatever our needs are, or whatever we are searching for, listen, our Our disposition should be hopeful. I'm not waiting on the Lord in discouragement or despair. I'm waiting on the Lord in hope. Because I know who He is. It has been revealed to me who He is. So I have hope. I have a greater, I have a greater hope because I know him. People can hope for a lot of things, and they can wish for a lot of things. But Jesus is the source of my hope. He's the source of my strength. And I know that everything I need can be supplied by Him. There is only one name for whatever need I have. the name of Jesus will supply every need. We ought to be so sold out, so sold out about the name of Jesus. Because it's not just a name, it's a revelation. It's a revelation of what that name means and who that name refers to. together with one voice, why don't you just reach toward him and speak his name, Jesus, 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 at the mention of his name, Jesus. Come on, we could just utter the name and things will begin to shift all around us. 
Jesus. Jesus. Come on, when I'm in trouble, Jesus. When I'm in want, Jesus. When there is a need, Jesus. When I need an answer, Jesus. When I need to find hope, Jesus. When I need encouragement, Jesus. When I need deliverance, Jesus. When I find fear in front of me, Jesus. When there are strongholds in my life, Jesus. I'm here to tell you the revelation of the name of Jesus. No matter what's in front of me, it must bow at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, we know the name. Come on, we ought to speak it all throughout our homes. Not in vain. Not when you smash your finger. Oh, but when you realize, I'm, I'm setting an atmosphere. I'm creating a culture in my home, and it's, and it's centered around Jesus. It's centered around Jesus. The altar in my home, it's centered around Jesus. I'm entertaining one. There's only one that I want to know that I love and adore and worship, and that is Jesus. There's only one. When I look into the throne room, give me eyes to see the one I serve. His name is Jesus. here to remind us today people of the name people of the name I don't think it's a I don't think it's a coincidence that God has put this on my heart so strong I, I don't I don't believe that is the case I believe God wants to remind us once again where we can find refuge, where we can find peace. Listen, we're, we're entering in a time where we're celebrating. We've already talked about this this morning, where we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. But Isaiah 9 and 6 was more, was more than a nativity scene. Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. And He's wonderful. Come on, is He wonderful? How many times have you been in a place where you just, you just, the only thing you can utter was the name? 
The only thing you could speak was a name, but all of a sudden there was a shift. All of a sudden there was a transition from the fear that was before me. Oh, to the hope uh, that was inside of me. uh, The hope of glory. Christ in you. You know why the trouble will never leave? You know why the temptations will never go away? Because we must get a hold of where we can find refuge. Because we need to we need to always be aware that at any given moment the enemy is going to try to attack. He's going to try to push me up against the wall. He's going to try to back me into a narrow place. But let me remind you here today, I walk on a narrow way. I don't mind a narrow place because I got a hold of the name of Jesus does the name really matter that's the question that I want you to I don't want you to ever get that I don't want you to ever get that out of your mind. Does the name really matter? Listen, there are people who are walking away. They're walking away from the name. They're saying it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be that way. But let me remind you, in the end of time, there's going to be great apostasy. There are going to be people that fall away because they fall away from the name, because they fall away from the hope, because they fall away from the truth, because they believe a lie. So I must always have that in my mind. Does the name of Jesus really mean anything? Does it matter how we are baptized? Can I tell you, I was baptized when before I backslid. But you know what? I could not remember it when I came home. And it troubled me. It, that should be one thing that we, well, not just one thing, but our baptism should be a thing that we know how we were buried. We are buried together with him in baptism and it's in that watery grave that we take on the name of Jesus that brings remission for our sins it does matter because there is only one name that brings remission there is only one name that when it is applied we are covered and clean Does the name matter? The next time somebody asks you that question, ask them, does eternity matter? Amen. You all may be seated. just want to finish my thought here this afternoon with where we were going 
we left off in Sunday school talking about this, this very thing. Does the name really matter? And uh, we, we come to the conclusion, we come to the, uh, to the understanding that it does matter. And I just want to give us a few brief examples of how we can declare that it does matter. We're going to go back and revisit this. I know we talked about this in Sunday school, but Exodus chapter 6 and verse 3. And I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. And I said this, I said this before, maybe you've already, you have already seen this, but listen, when, when, when God appeared uh, to, to our forefathers, or, or to where, where, where he made the, uh, the original uh, covenant with Abraham, and he appeared to him, he appeared to him as God Almighty. But we know, as in the New Testament and Revelation, uh, chapter 1 and verse 8, and we don't have to go there, brother, I think, I think everybody knows that, that, that Jesus is declaring that he is the Almighty. Now I, I do not I do not think that what what Abraham Isaac and Jacob uh, understood was that Jesus was God Almighty. They didn't have an understanding of that. They they knew that there was one God. They knew that there was, uh, and eventually, eventually started to hear. They started to see things that that would give them uh, this idea that there was one that was gonna that was gonna come, and he was gonna bring deliver, and he was gonna save his people. But at this point of revelation, they just knew him as God Almighty. They didn't know him as Jehovah. Can I tell you, there are different names of God throughout the Old Testament. But when you get into the New Testament, there's one. We all know this, preaching to the choir today, right? But this is a reminder of what we have here. Let's look at Exodus chapter 9 and verse 16. We talked about this in Sunday school a little bit. And in, uh, in, in very deed for this cause have I raised thee up for to show in thee my power and that my name may be declared throughout all the earth. What was God establishing through his people was that there would be a people who would declare his power and his name throughout the earth. The contrast of this into the New Testament, we see a people who declared his power and his name. They filled Jerusalem with this doctrine. They filled Jerusalem with the name of Jesus. What were they doing? They were declaring throughout all of the earth the name and the power of God. Let's look at Exodus chapter 20 and verse 24. Now I'm just going to give you a few examples. I'm telling you the Old Testament is full of examples 
of where you will see phrases like what we are reading and the consistency uh, of what we're reading here today. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thine oxen in all places where I record what? My name. Doesn't matter about the name. I will come unto thee and I will bless thee. Where my name is, where be there, that's what will be blessed. Amen. Exodus chapter 23, verses 20 and 21. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. The name is important. When God established his covenant with his people in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, we can call it, he established a place where there would be a name that there would be blessings that would flow from that place. There's always been a name. There's always been a name. And God has always put his favor where his name is. Let's look at Numbers chapter 6, and we'll read verses 22 through 27. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying on this wise, Ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. We sing a song, right? Isn't that one of the most beautiful songs out there? Uh, that we uh, we talking about the blessing, and, and, it, and it truly is a blessing. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Oh, what a, what a, what a passage and what a, what a moment to, to reflect on, on, on the countenance of the Lord. The, his face to shine on us. The, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Listen, there is a place in God where there, are, there is blessing and there is Light uh, where the illumination of the glory of God shines on us. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. The covenant always has a name. They shall put my name Upon the children of Israel and I will bless. When we consider what the Old Testament was establishing, what the Old Covenant was establishing, it sure makes the New Covenant look sound and true and powerful. 
when we consider what God was doing, he was preparing his people to be a people for his name. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 13. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. David, David wanted to build a house for God, but it was Solomon who built it. David wanted to build a house where his name would be because it was important to David. David understood that every, every way that his life was blessed was because of the place where his name was. Because his name is affixed to his covenant. There is no separation. 1 Kings chapter 8 verses 18 through 20. And the Lord said unto David my father whereas it was in thine heart to build an house unto my name. Thou didst well that it was in thine heart. It was well. I am pleased that was in your heart to build a place for my name because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a place where my name is going to be. Verse 19. Nevertheless, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son. Thou shalt come forth out of thy loins. He shall build the house unto my name. Verse 20. And the Lord hath performed this word that he spake. And I am risen up in the room of David my father and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised and have built a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. The people of Israel knew that there was going to be a place where the name of God would be and there would be favor and provision and power and anointing and protection they understood it was all in a name. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 14 and 16. We, we know these passages all well, don't we? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If my people, which are called by my name, because my name has power, because my name has forgiveness, because my name has healing, if they'll seek me, I'll hear them. If my people will seek I will hear do you see what's going on 
time after time after time. You know what it takes? Sometimes it takes time and time and time again for us to understand that there is a name. There is a name that is associated. It's fixed in the covenant. You know what God's doing? God's, God's really, he's really bringing it home. He's really bringing it into their understanding. If you're going to be blessed, it's going to be blessed because of where my name is. That's why we got to hear things all the time, over and over again, because it takes so long to get in. And what God was doing is he, he, he wanted us to understand, really understand, that if we're going to be a blessed people, it's going to be because there's a name. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 9. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, Though they were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Oh! We talked about this recently. Nehemiah understood why he had to go back and build. Ezra understood why they had to go and build the house of God. Because we're not just building an empty building. We're building a place of blessing where the name of God will be. Where his name. Isaiah chapter 52, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he. He that doth speak, behold, it is I. In verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publish peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publish salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. We get this, we get this picture here, this visualization, this imagery of the feet of them that bring good tidings. How beautiful are the feet of them that bring the gospel, that preach the gospel, that preach the the name of Jesus. Why? Because they are bringing and they are publishing salvation. We've already established it that there is no other name. That the only saving name is the name of Jesus. And when we publish the name of Jesus what we are declaring is that that is the way for salvation. My people shall know my name, and I am he that doth speak. There is a verse where Jesus says something very similar, and we're going to look at that in John chapter 8 and verse 24. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins if you believe that if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. What was Jesus saying? If you don't believe I am him, you're going to die lost. If you don't believe that I'm the Savior, you'll never be saved. There's not coming. There's, 
There's not another one coming for you. I am the rescue. I am the one that's here to bring you out. I am the one to redeem you. I am Jesus. And I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I am He. And before Abraham was, I am. Jesus was emphatically declaring that there was no other rescue coming. That he is the only Savior. And that's why Paul could say he's the only potentate. He's the only sovereign ruler. When we use the words only, we know there's only one. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10 and 11 Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Remember what Jesus said? If you don't believe that I am he, you're going to die lost. You will die in your sins. You know, what, you know what he was standing and declaring to all around him was what Isaiah was prophesied, that I am he. And Jesus was standing there saying, I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Verse 11 I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. What, what they understood was Yahweh of the Old Testament was declaring that he would be the only Savior. And we see Jesus in the New Testament. Jehovah has become salvation or Yahweh is salvation. The name of Jesus is the name of salvation. It's a name of revelation from the Old Testament into the New Testament declaring the one true God. To be the Savior. So I'll ask it again. Does the name really matter? Only if I want a covenant relationship with God. Only if I want my sins remitted and dominion over sin restored to me. Only if I want to live a blessed life with his favor and the light of his countenance. Oh, dude, does the name really matter? was the word that was declared in Acts that God would raise up raise up the tabernacle and he would take a, a people for his name whatever covenant old or new you can't get away from the name When we really understand who Jesus is, there is no confusion with Matthew 28, 19. When we really have revelation and understanding, there is no confusion with Matthew 28, 19. Is there? 
Because you see it just like you see it everywhere else. The problem is, do you see what I see? Are we looking through the same set of lenses? Do we see the same things? Because I know that there is a name, and there is a name revealed in the Old Testament, but I know that there is one name revealed in the New Testament. And he says, baptizing them in the name. There's no confusion there. And listen, I've heard this before, and I've already mentioned this, so forgive me if I'm pretty repetitive here. But I've heard people say why, why they are not baptized in the name of Jesus uh, is because they believe uh, it, it, that they would, rather, they would rather follow what Jesus said versus what the apostles said. The problem with that statement is if you think Jesus is right but the apostles are wrong, then you must throw out all the, all the new, most of the New Testament. Because the, the, the disciples, the apostles were only speaking what they'd been taught. And when they said in the name of Jesus, when Peter, when Peter raised up the lame man that sat at the gate beautiful and said silver and gold, have I none but such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ. He had revelation that when I speak that name, there's going to be healing. When I speak that name, there's going to be resurrection power. There's going to be authority. Why look at me? It's not my own ability. It's by the name of Jesus. You read it through the New Testament, there was only one name. Oh, there was only one name that was ministered. Oh, the name of Jesus. Forget what tradition has taught. Forget what people have said. Forget what grandma and grandpa have done. If you see it for yourself, you must obey. You know what I get tired of? I get tired of being people being so close, but they refuse to accept it because of something they've heard throughout their life. Listen, the devil is a lie, and if he can convince people to believe a lie, he can convince people to be damned, right? Isn't that what he said? Believe a lie and be damned. If I don't get a hold of the truth, I'm going to be lost. Jesus said, if you don't believe that I am he, That's why we preach the way we do. That's why we live the way we do. Because we understand. We understand that, oh, we've been, we've been invited into a covenant relationship where we must be good stewards of the power of the Holy Ghost that God has given us. He's given us power and he's given us a name. We've got power and we have a name. we got the spirit of the living God living on the inside. And we have a name that the enemy fears. But what we must understand is that to use that name with authority, we must be under authority. That's what the centurion, he was, he was exhibiting faith to Jesus. He said, I am a man that understands authority because I am under authority. And you know what? What, what was, uh, when, when, uh, what was it the seven, seven sons of Sceva? Was that when uh, Jesus, I know, 
And Paul I know, but who are you? They're in the covenant. You're not. You're trying to evoke a name you have no power using. You don't have the spirit back in those words. And so what they did is they jumped on him and overtook him because we can't just declare the name of Jesus. We got to be in submission. We got to be under authority in order to speak the name of Jesus and have power and authority. So stand. We know that the, the new covenant name of God revealed to us is Jesus. Every name before that God used, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Adonai, all these, the Jehovah Nisi, the Jehovah Rapha, was not needed any longer when the name of Jesus So when Jesus was in the manger as a baby, what was, what was in that manger was not just a baby. There was a name that would bring salvation to people, His people. This leads me into where we're going to go Wednesday night. I believe the Lord has helped me get understanding, but I want to pray and dig some more to get some more understanding over it. It's more than just what Jesus did for us by taking our place. He became a door. He became a bridge. He became a way out of darkness he's the way the truth the life he he is God manifested in the flesh first Timothy chapter 3 verse 14 through 16 this will lead us into Wednesday's lesson. These things write unto you, I unto you thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest 
know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. What is the truth? And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. What we have is revelation. Amen. Why don't we thank God today? Thank you, Jesus, for your word. And if you'd like to just come, if you'd like to come and spend a few moments here and call on the saving name of Jesus, for healing or deliverance or whatever it is. Come on, let's give him. Let's give him some space. Let's give him a moment. Let's let's take this and reflect on the word of God. And let's thank him for that name. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name Jesus in the darkness over 
psalm records, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now think about this for a moment. Who is Jesus? He is the word. He is the light. Right? Jesus is the one who would speak and bring light and lead us down a path. In fact, in John chapter 6, Verse 65, 65 through 68. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Apostasy. And said, Jesus, unto the twelve, will ye also go away? What did Peter say? He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Where else can we go, Jesus? It's through you that we can see eternal life. It's through you, you illuminate our path on the, in the way of everlasting. You have the words that reveal God. Oh, hallelujah. So thankful today for God's word, God's favor, God's promises. Amen. Let's let's uh, come back Tuesday night for prayer and uh, Wednesday night service. Amen. Let's uh, keep fighting the good fight of faith, and we're going to have another announcement here. I told you I'll make these announcements again at the end of service. Before I do that, I don't know if my husband already said something, but... Um, our dear brother Edward, he graduated from college yesterday from EKU with a bachelor's degree in psychology, and we are very proud of him. And um, brother, we do a graduation reception in the spring, and we plan on including you as part of that, if that would be all right. So we'll do that. He's going on to get his master's degree. So we're very proud of him. Please stop by and congratulate him. I'm going to make these announcements again this Saturday. December 10th at 2 p.m. is our church Christmas party. It is casual. Wear whatever you want, but we do encourage you, if you have a Christmas sweater, wear that. If it's ugly, even better, okay? Um, and it's going to be finger foods, and so if you are prepared to bring something, if you want to be a part of that, meet me after church as soon as we dismiss, and we'll talk about what we're going to bring for that. We're going to have some games. We're going to have a lot of fun um, for that. December the 18th, that's two weeks from today, at noon, we'll have one service that day. will be our Christmas program. Our kids are working really hard preparing some exciting things. We're going to have some exciting music that day. And I want to let you know we're going to have a choir that day. Everybody say choir. 
So there's going to be a choir. This is the whosoever will choir. Whoever wants to be in it can be in it. No age minimum, no age maximum, okay? So I want you to be part of it, but you're going to have to be at practice. Our practice is going to be next Sunday. Say next Sunday at 1045. 1045, all right? So 1045, we're going to be meeting here for practice. I'm excited about the song that we're learning. If you know you want to be part of that and you want to reach out to me and let me know, I can go ahead and send you that song so you can be listening to it so it won't be brand new when you come in on Sunday. And that's it. All right. And uh, let's remember uh, that the Sunday after our uh, party, we have missionaries that will be here with us. And so looking forward to that. Um, and uh, we'll see you Tuesday. And no service on Christmas Day. We I forgot to announce that with it. But December 25th is a Sunday, and there will be no service that day. All right. God bless you all. Love you and appreciate you. You are dismissed in Jesus' name. <laughs>